Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, it's good to see you, friends. Y'all ready for Christmas? I'm going to take that as a big old no. Oh, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2 and just kind of hold it there for a little bit, okay? That's where we're going to be. Uh, there are some trends that you might see at Christmas time over the years, and a lot of those trends are around what are the popular gifts that are happening. Uh, I want to bring a couple of those to your attention today and see if uh, you remember some of these. Some of you won't because you weren't born yet, and that's totally fine. Uh, but there are, usually every Christmas, there's like one toy that is kind of capturing or one thing that is capturing the imagination of the people. It's like the, it's the thing that you have to have. And if you go back to 1983, how many of you would remember this thing? It's called the Cabbage Patch Doll. Do, does anybody remember the Cabbage Patch Dolls? Cabbage Patch Kids? Yeah. Uh, there, there are, I'm not going to make you watch it this morning. But there's actually footage out there of how crazy people got over these dolls back in 1983. Uh, in fact, there was a smackdown in Pennsylvania <laughs> that culminated with a store manager. This is on video, by the way. Uh, a store manager that was warding off crazed parents with an aluminum baseball bat when they opened the store up. I'm not making that up. Uh, in fact, if you watch the rest of the video, they're bringing, so they had the truck in the back, and they're bringing the Cabbage Patch dolls through. There's a line out front that people had waited, one for a couple of days, one lady. They interviewed her on the news because she didn't get the Cabbage Patch doll that she wanted. She got a Cabbage Patch doll. It just wasn't the one she wanted. And it's like, how do you feel about that? And she's like, are you kidding me? I've been waiting for a couple of days, and this is all that I get? They, they zoom in, by the way. I watched the news report this week in preparation for you because I love you. And I'm watching the news report of that time. And literally when they opened it up, the crowd came like piling into the store. And you have the managers sitting out there with the Cabbage Patch dolls behind them like this. And literally they start throwing Cabbage Patch dolls out into the crowd. <laughs> and I thought, it's almost like you're throwing food to people that haven't eaten for months and months. And the crowd just became crazy, and they're fighting each other. That's why I was pointing out, literally at one point, the manager pulls, came prepared, pulls an aluminum bat out, and starts swinging it at people. Nothing says Merry Christmas like that. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not done. I've got another one. How many of you remember this guy? Tickle Me Elmo. That guy. Uh, <laughs> this was in 1996. Tickle Me Elmo. By the way, how many of you bought a Tickle Me Elmo? Don't lie. Show those hands. I see you out there. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> Wendy and I actually did. So uh, full disclosure, we did. But it wasn't in 1996. Uh, now, in Canada, there was a Walmart clerk who almost met his doom. Uh, when 300 customers stampeded him at the sight of Tickle Me Elmo because he had, by the way, the last one. The last one. 
So 300 people, now they all had to know, we're not all getting it. Unless you have this Solomon kind of moment where you go, all right, fine. If y'all want to tickle me Elmo, I'm just going to start chopping it up. And you can have a piece and you can have a piece. Didn't work like that. They charged him. And just so you know, the clerk suffered broken ribs and a concussion. That's a true story. Nothing says Merry Christmas like getting your tickle me Elmo, right? You probably could think of some other things, right? You think maybe some people missed, missed the mark a little bit there? Is that fair? Well, you get around Christmas time, there are a lot of things that happen that are also a lot of fun. You've probably seen some Christmas pageants at churches or, or maybe even in schools. How many of you have seen something like that? Well, there was one Christmas pageant. This was some years ago that was uh, kind of caught the attention of the news um, it, that happened at a church. And they were basically doing the story of Luke chapter 2, which is about the birth of the Lord Jesus. And the little kids were the ones that were putting it on. So all of the characters were little kids. And just so you know, you're kind of taking a risk at that just period when you do that, right? You really never know what's going to happen in spite of all of your preparation. You never know what's going to happen. And they felt like, you know, we have this thing really down to the T and it's time to go live. And the lady that was heading up the production for the church with the kids uh, it's the, the day of the production, and she was thinking, you know, if you, if you look into the Bible, and it talks about Mary, and it says Mary was great with child. Well, maybe some kids, and a lot of kids were going to be there to watch the, the, the production. Maybe some of the kids don't know what that means. You know, you're just great with child. And so at the last second, she made a change. And so the narrator, and the kids were up on the stage, and the narrator gets to the part where it was going to say, it was going to say, and Mary was great with child, but they changed it a little bit. And the narrator instead said that Mary was pregnant. Well, there was a little boy that was up on the stage that was playing Joseph, who is the to-be husband of said Mary that was just declared by the narrator to be pregnant. And that was the first time Joseph had heard about it. So literally, he's standing up there on the stage. He's walking and says, and she was pregnant. And he's like, what? And he goes, what? <laughs> You're pregnant? <laughs> How many of you think that maybe the real Joseph had a moment like that? Is that fair? And Mary is with child. What? You've got to be kidding me. We're not going to be looking great, girl. And that's probably true. There are some things that go around Christmas that honestly... They're, they're just kind of a lot of fun. Stories like that. But let me ask you this question. You know, when you read the Old Testament, and there's this promise of a Messiah that's going to come, and then you get to the end of the Old Testament, and God goes quiet for 400 years. He doesn't send a prophet. He's not sending a messenger. It's silent. How many of you would be comfortable with the silence of God? And I don't mean for an evening or even for a part of a year. I mean, for 400 years. And then, good news, the next thing that you see is that there is someone that shows up on the scene. It's a guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is, you can kind of think of him as the last Old Testament prophet in a way, because he starts to speak of Jesus who has shown up. He's here. The silence is over. Now, how many of you would appreciate an end to the silence? And for God to declare himself to you in a brand new way. It reminds me of something that the, the reformer John Huss said. He said, rejoice that the immortal God is born so that mortal men may live in eternity. 
Rejoice because the rich Lord of the universe became poor that he may enrich us needy ones because we are. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at the famous passage in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14, and I've invited a special guest speaker to read the passage for us this morning. Take a look. Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you, Linus. He is my favorite of all the Peanuts characters. You can have your own, but he's my guy. The Christmas story is full of joy. It's full of surprises, too, but it's full of joy. The, the narratives of Jesus' birth are found in the first two chapters of Matthew. It's also found in Luke. And as you read the story, you're going to find all kinds of emotions. You're going to see that people experienced fear. An angel appears and has to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but I'm here to give you a message. You see that they respond with wonder. They're just trying to process everything that's happening around them. Some of them struggle with disbelief. Some are worshiping. Some are angry. Some are weeping. Some are expressing concern, but many of them are expressing joy because there's a promise of God that they've been waiting for, and he's delivered on it, and it's a good day. Joy is scattered throughout the whole story. Let me give you just a couple of examples. There's a guy named Zachariah. Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, was promised that John would be a joy to them and that many people would rejoice at his birth. In Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And later, after John was born, the neighbors and the relatives shared Zachariah and Elizabeth's joy at the birth of their son. Zachariah and Elizabeth and all their neighbors, they are rejoicing because God is doing something. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? She visits Elizabeth shortly after Mary learned that they were both pregnant. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, it says, leaps in her womb. The baby in my womb has, is leaping for joy. In Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45, the baby John is rejoicing because God has delivered on a promise. Mary responded, just so you know, with a beautiful song. We call it the Magnificat. And it begins like this. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is rejoicing. Even though she's dealing with some pretty tense times in her personal life, she responds with rejoicing. Eventually, you have these guys, the Magi, who come from the east to worship the newborn king. You've probably heard of them. And the way that it describes it in Matthew chapter 2 is that they were overwhelmed when the star appeared to them and they saw the infant king. They were overwhelmed with joy. 
How about the shepherds? These are the people that nobody can kind of stand. They don't really have a place in society, except for dealing with the sheep. That's your place. You stay out there in the fields. But they were told by the angel where they could find the baby. And after they had gone and seen him, here's what scripture says in Luke chapter 2. They returned to their fields after seeing the baby. And they glorified and they praised God for everything that they had seen. They were rejoicing because God had done something incredible. There's a lot more to the story. There's certainly not less. But perhaps the greatest expression of joy is in the angelic announcement to the shepherds. And you probably heard it from my friend Linus this morning because it was in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. This time, who's rejoicing? It's all the people. It's everybody. The good news is for everybody. Good news. Now, how many of you like good news? Because I do. I mean, I would be totally receptive today. It says, I've got good news for you. One billion dollars has been deposited into your bank account, and it's clean money. Let's put that little thing on the end there, right? I mean, <laughs> I would rejoice, wouldn't you? Good news. When's the last time that somebody said to you, hey, uh, you want to hear some good news? And you were like, nah, not really. No, we don't. We always like to hear good news. And the angel said, I'm bringing you some good news. It reminds me of a guy, his name was Bob. Bob was a golfer, you know, and he was, uh, he was out and about and he woke up one night and he saw, um, he saw an angel that was in his room, actually standing at the end of his bed. And he said, I bring you good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? And he was like, I don't know. I mean, I'll take the good news. And he said, well, I mean, the good news is, is that there's golf in heaven. There probably is, by the way. But anyway, he says, there's golf in heaven. And he says, oh, that's amazing. That sounds great. What's the bad news? He goes, your tea time is seven in the morning. <laughs> good news and bad news. All right, now the Christmas story, to be fair, it's good news. It's just good news. The Christmas message is for us. Good news. People don't think of the Christmas message, though, as good news. It's kind of something that, if that's something that you want to accept for yourself, I mean, and it gives meaning to your life, you know. But that's not what the, t the passage is saying. I, I, I was thinking about this. I remember some years ago when I was in college and I was driving up the highway and I see this sign. And the sign that was up, this, all it said was the wages of sin is death. That was what was on the sign. Now, to be fair, that's true. That is true. The problem that I had with it was it was incomplete. Because even though the wages of sin is death, the rest of it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I was like, just quote the whole thing. Give them the whole thing. I've got some good news, but there's also some bad news. And we're just going to hold those two things together. Kind of like getting a tea time that you weren't expecting, if you know what I'm saying. I bring you some good news. And what was the good news? Is that you have a Savior. He's here. He's here. How many of you have ever been in a moment in your life where you knew that you needed someone to help you? Have you ever been there before? Where you were in a situation and all that you could say was, I'm not exactly sure what to do here. And somebody stepped in and they helped you in the situation that you found yourself in. And you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have known what to do, but man, they stepped in. And you thought, you know what? It changed everything about what I was going through. That is some good news. And this is the story of the incarnation of Jesus as he steps in. So instead of saying, well, you made a real mess out of things, which by the way, would be fair. He doesn't stop there. He says, I see the situation that you're in. I'm not going to leave you in the situation that you're in. I'm coming on down. 
That is some good news. Because when we think about it, a lot of the choices that we make, they hurt us spiritually, they hurt us socially, we break up relationships, it hurts us personally, it affects us. And Jesus says, I get it, I get it. I just want there to be more to the story. Yes, the wages of sin is death. Here's Christmas, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Uh, think of it like this. Some of us have partnered with uh, Living Water. You've gone into places in the world where they don't have good running water. And in fact, many of the people, if they don't get it, they die because of what it is that they are in fact drinking. What we found is, is that in a lot of these places, when we go into and we, we partner with Living Water and they tap down and they create this well, there is fresh and running water for these people. In some of these places, almost 50, the death rate drops by 50%. Now here's the catch. The people that are there, the people that are there, don't know how to do it. You see what I'm saying? With their situation, they're basically stuck with drinking what would be toxic water for them. But then somebody steps in from the outside and says, I actually can help you with the situation and it's not going to take you to death like you're used to experiencing. Here's good water for you. It changes everything, doesn't it? And that's the story of the incarnation of Jesus. God dwells among us so that we can have something that without him we would not have. And that's some good news. And you would appreciate the good news if you're the one that's drinking the toxic water. That you can now drink something that isn't going to be harmful to you. You can have a living water if you drink Jesus Christ. He's the Christ, the way it's described in Luke 2. He is the Lord, and he brings us great joy. Uh, I was giving an example yesterday. We, we had a funeral yesterday here at the church, and we were reading from the 100th Psalm. It's a psalm of thanksgiving, that you can enter the gates of God. And in fact, God is the one that ends, extends the invitation. The doors are open. The question isn't, are the doors open? The question for them is, are you going to walk through the doors that are open, Right? But one of the reasons that it says to give thanks and to give praise is because God, in spite of us at best being fickle with God, it says, but he's been faithful to us. He hasn't loved us the way that we love him. We love in a fickle way. God has loved us in a faithful way. And because of that, when you go into his presence, you go with thankfulness, thankfulness and joy. It's good news. Uh, there's a professor named Ray Bakke. And he shared a story some years ago. He knew an old professor in Glasgow. Um, and he had a friend. This goes back to World War II. He had a friend who was a Scottish chaplain. And uh, they had bailed out of an airplane behind German lines. You can imagine that would be difficult. Uh, and they were caught. And they were put into a prison camp. There was a high wire fence that separated the Americans from the British at this prison camp, and the Germans made it next to impossible for the two sides to communicate with each other. Uh, now, one of the guys was put in the American barracks, and the, the chaplain was put into the British barracks. Okay, so they're separated. And every day, the two men would meet at the fence, but they would exchange a greeting with each other. And unknown to the guards, the Americans had a little home radio. Isn't that great? It's almost like Hogan's Heroes, isn't it? They actually had a little radio. And they were able to get news from the outside world, at least at times. They didn't want to overuse it. They didn't want it to be caught. 
But that, they said, was more precious to them than times that they had food because they knew that there was more going on than the world that they were trapped in. And every day they would take a headline or two to the fence and they would share it with the chaplain, but they did it in a different language. They did it in Gaelic, which made it indecipherable to the Germans that were actually walking around them. And then one day there was news that came over the little radio that the German high command had surrendered and the war was over. And so he took the news to the fence, told his friend, and then stood and watched him disappear into the British barracks. And a moment later, a roar of celebration came from the barracks. Because <sighs> they had the news. Life in that camp, by the way, that day was transformed. Men walked around. They were singing. They were shouting, waving at the guards. <laughs> Even laughing at the dogs that were there to contain them. The Germans, by the way, had not heard yet. The German guards didn't even know. They wondered what in the world was going on. And when they finally heard the news three nights later, they ran into the dark, they left the gates unlocked, and the next morning, the British and the Americans walked out as free men. That's some good news. Here's the thing. They had been truly set free three days earlier by the news that the war was over, though. Good news of great joy. That's what the angel said about the Savior. Great joy. It reminds me of just a couple of passages in Scripture. John 15, 11, I've told you these things so you may be filled with what? Joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. He says, again, I say it, rejoice John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have a fullness of life. And part of that fullness is that you will experience his joy. And here's what he says, it was for you. This was for you. He came to you. Something that kind of struck me this week. He's still coming to me. He still is. Because he isn't done with me. I am, not, I am not fully made over into the image of Jesus. I'm just not. I, I still need daily portions of grace so that I look more like Jesus than I did yesterday. He's still coming to me. And it kind of overwhelmed me this week as I was just going through Luke chapter 2, that he would, that he would. But it isn't just for me. It says he came to you, but he came for all people. In the ancient world that Jesus entered, by the way, there were deep divisions, kind of like today. Some of those divisions were divisions of race. Some of those divisions were divisions of age. Some of those divisions were divisions of gender. Women weren't exactly highly looked upon back in the ancient Near East. And the angel announces up front that the good news of great joy is for everybody. It's for all people. That is good news. What does all people include? Well, all people. Literally. It's everybody. Have you ever seen those collections to letters to Santa? Have you ever read any of those letters? They're hilarious, by the way. Letters that children write around Christmas time. There's one that I saw. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey. He's two. Uh, there's David. He's four. And there's Norman. He's seven. 
Jeffrey's good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all the time. By the way, I'm Norman. (laughs) Just so you know, when Scripture says for all people, (laughs) it's all people. That little letter reminded me of an experience I had in New Orleans. After Katrina, we're going into neighborhoods. We're helping people whose just their lives have been wrecked. And there's this one guy we've been working in his yard and is on his home for over a month. Name is Rob, right? And we're visiting with Rob. Rob asks us this question. He goes, you guys have been coming for like a month. Why, why would you do something like this for me? Why would you do that? And so I'm sitting in the front yard with Rob and a couple of my friends. One is, one's name is Jason. And, you know, Jason says, well, Rob, you know, we're, we're from Edgewater. And we've been here for a month. Part of the reason that we're here for a month is because we really believe that the Lord has been very, very good to us. And we were undeserving of his kindness. And we were undeserving of his grace. But God just keeps pouring it out to us. And what we wanted you to experience is the kind of change that Jesus brought to our life by the kindness and the grace that we want to pour out and show to you. We just wanted to love you like God has loved us. That's a good answer, isn't it? And then Rob says, okay, so what do you believe? And long story short, we said, well, we believe that we all have sin, but God's grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins. And here was Rob's answer. Oh, I've never sinned, (laughs) right? You've got to be kidding me. And I told him, I said, this is amazing. I'd gotten to know Rob a little bit, by the way. This is absolutely amazing, Rob. I now know of two perfect people that have walked the face of the earth. Jesus and you. And he kind of stood there for a second, right? And the reason that I put the jab, because we did jab back and forth, but the reason that I put the little jab out there is because Rob saw himself as the kind of guy that just didn't need it. But Luke chapter 2 was trying to tell him, no, Rob, you really do. You really do. Just like me. Now, of course, here's the thing. The good news, you can opt out. You can. You can opt out. I mean, if I told you that I would... If I told you on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a service at 4 o'clock, and we are, and we're going to have a service at 6 o'clock, all right? And I said, you show up. Now, for everybody that shows up, I'm going to give you $500. Now, how many of you would be like, I think I'll be there, (laughs) right? I think I'll go, all right? Now, how many of you would, 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 how many of you would come and see me? Can I see the hands out there? How many of you got? I'm going to give you 500 bucks. It's clean money. You know, kind of, kind of like the, the billion. I was saying, a billion just got put into your bank account. It's clean money. This is clean money. I'm going to give you 500 bucks. How many of you are like, I'm there. I'm there. This ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm just making a point, all right? How many of you would come and see me? Yeah, you probably would. Here's probably what you wouldn't say. Yeah, but you know, I don't go to Woodridge. So. I, I don't think anybody would say that. You probably, you probably wouldn't say something like, yeah, but Jeremy, I don't deserve 500 bucks. I don't deserve it. I, you know what I'd say? Yeah, you don't. I just said I'd give it to you. I'd say you deserve it, and therefore I'm giving it to you. I just said I'll give you 500 bucks. You probably wouldn't say anything like that. Um, you might say something like this. I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. You know when you would believe me? is when you saw the 500 going out, right? It's when you saw it. It's when you saw me doing something. And this is the story of Luke chapter 2. It's because everybody saw God doing something. Not just talking about something, but doing 
something about it. The good news of great joy that my buddy Linus was talking about before, he's offering you a free gift. You can opt in, you can opt out. But it's a gift of abundant and eternal life. He can't offer you anything better than that this Christmas for all the people. It's still for you. If you're a believer, you, know, you probably think of that time where you called out on Christ. You said, I know that I'm a sinner in need of your grace and forgiveness. I need that. I need that. It's still for you today because we still have to do that, don't we? It's me again. I'm still in need of your grace. I'm still in need of your forgiveness and knowing that he's there. But maybe for today, it's the first time that you say it and that you just honestly go before the Lord to accept what he's been offering you your whole life, a free gift, which is himself. I was thinking about it last uh, Christmas, just to get a little jab at my wife, Christmas morning, you go out, you know, the presents are out there, and, you know, we were kind of giving some presents over to the girls. Oh, here, Avery, this is for you. Kaylee, this is for you. Maggie, this is for you. Lila, this is for you. And then I laid under the tree myself and told Wendy, I am the gift. <laughs> she was like, hey, what else you got, right? <laughs> no, she really did say that. <laughs> By the way, I didn't make that part up. Uh, I also really did lay under the tree and I said, I am the gift, right? Uh, this Christmas, I hope what you see in Luke chapter 2 there is no better gift than Jesus. There really isn't. And what I would hope is, and, and what I was talking about before, is that you would opt in. Maybe for some of you, you've confessed Christ years ago, and just with your life, you kind of opted out. You've just been too busy to focus on it and to live it. Can I encourage you? Opt back in. But for others, take Jesus at his word. He's come to give you good news of great joy. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.